Right, well, I think we're ready to move forward things a stage. Uh, my thought is that we'd like to record episode six of series one and then move forward with you to making series two of the podcast. Oh, brilliant. All right. So are you happy with the way things have gone so far? Yeah, yeah, really good. You happy working with Danny? Yeah, yeah. No problems in your working relationship? Nothing no. you want to discuss? No. Not too gay for you, am I? Danny. <laughs> Sorry, I won't go say anything. He's lying through his teeth. <laughs> That was like an, uh, like an unexploded bomb just about to go off. <laughs> yeah, there was a real truth behind that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to episode six of the Wernham Blog Extras podcast. My name's James and with me, he wanted a podcast without a microphone. It's Danny. You know, empty seats weren't laughing much, were they? <laughs> and we're not expecting much, just a wee podcast that you can be proud of. It's Jack. Note to self, podcast quietly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here we go. Welcome back, guys. Final episode of Series 1. Here we go. Now, this is one for me where we've obviously seen Andy struggle now for, what, five episodes? And love him or hate him, he's about to have a, a bit of a sniff of success here. So it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, this is what actually it has been. I mean, we mentioned it before in the previous episodes, but this watching it back for the podcast, it was the first time I realised how much they had planted the seeds of his eventual success in this episode. Mm. Like, I hadn't really noticed or picked up on the idea that they mentioned the script like episode er- three earlier in episode, like episode three yeah and then it's kind of but then if you then follow the trajectory of this of the series it is all kind of building up to you get the line absolutely gets the pantomime a lot of groundwork and then, yeah and so it's kind of believable that he would kind of then take that final leap and go to patrick stewart and get the script made and kind of yeah he's had it all kind of like planned out yeah absolutely he's kind of he's he's it's like the start of a sprint at this episode because this episode is such a it covers so much distance in such a small amount of time yeah yeah that it's kind of had they not done all that preparation and all that groundwork beforehand he wouldn't be able to just go from being an extra to having a script commissioned yeah in the end of this episode in half an hour that's i mean that's quite well, a... even, even watching it back this time i'd forgotten how quickly they get into the bbc stuff like absolutely. in my mind it was you know it's, it's the like patrick, the third scene or yeah, something it's the patrick stewart episode i, I remembered the, the scene in the trailer between Andy and Patrick Stewart being like, you know, halfway through the episode, maybe. And in the second half is the BBC stuff. But no, it's straight into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Scene one, Greg rubs it into Andy that he's got a line. Scene two, Andy goes to talk to Patrick Stewart. Yep. By scene four, they're straight into the BBC. And That's then right. just Andy in the, in the BBC stuff. It's just literally straight off to the races, isn't mm-hmm. it? I think you can already already see like the genesis of series two in this episode. Yeah. Like I, I remember like waiting for series two, and I already had a pretty good idea. Like it was yeah. how it's going to pan out. It was like you know the when the whistle blows being too broad and everything. You can see the genesis of <laughs> yeah. that here. Especially you can see from the first meeting they have that they're already fighting. Because well, you've got Ian and, in the room. Ian Morris and Damon Beasley. Yeah. These two characters that you know are going to be chasing and and sort of. Uh, involved in Andy's success throughout the rest yeah. of the Who are a reference to, are they the guys that came up with Peep Show or the Inbetweeners? Inbetweeners, Inbetweeners. Yeah. Inbetweeners. yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. Ricky named these characters after them as a joke. He did, yeah. yeah. There's actually a reference to the, uh, Ian Morris, certainly, in the XFM shows. Obviously, you guys have listened to those. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point, Ricky, I think, really hurt his back and he did that, having a... Wrestle uh, with... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a topless, drunken wrestle on Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Christmas morning. One of these, you know, and I think Jane had just got a DVD camera and they were talking about that. I'd love to try and find that footage, by the way. I might... It's not going to be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
it's in, a, it's in a back room somewhere with all his porn. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, he's obviously a really good friend of his, and he's just made these two characters as a sort of uh, tribute Imagine. to him. Well, I mean, imagine Ricky would probably love that. He's, he's come up with <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're really gay PBC characters, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a very 2006 kind of uh, well, like, very backhanded slap in the yeah. face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in between has come out at this point. Was that around no, 2006? No, so they must have just been struggling writers. Which, uh, which, Probably weren't struggling. I, I don't. They weren't struggling. Right. He was the commissioner of um, comedy at Channel Four. Ian Morris. At that, that was point. Oh, was yeah, it? yeah. He was. He was a big guy. He was no. He was no small potato. Ah. <laughs> So okay. no surprise. Well, I wonder how he got his first TV show made. Though. <laughs> Fucking hell. You see, I didn't mix that for many years. I thought they actually were the people that wrote the in betweeners. What these two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what I these know. two? You thought they were? This was them being real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a bit. Of, I thought it was a bit of missing. Uh, yeah. Demo's been in other yeah. stuff. Yeah, Demo's amazing. What's can, he been in? Hang on, hang on. I've got his name here somewhere. Where is it? Talk amongst yourself. Martin Savage. Yeah. And what else has he been in? He's like, been in loads of stuff. I mean, the thing I remember him mainly from is The Thick of It, because he was, um, uh, I can't remember, I think it's The Rise of the Nutters, it's a special episode, and they're all sort of running from hotel room to hotel room to try and identify a new leader of the party, and he's as cutthroat as Malcolm Tucker, so he's not camping it at all. He's, he's quite um, so a bully. He's, put, he's putting on an accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. But to be fair, they are some excellent characters, and the good yeah. thing about them is they're not kind of one-off characters. Like I said, they're going to come back and back and, and, and again and again, and they're kind of... You can see even in this episode that they're starting to kind of put Andy under pressure in a yeah. way that we haven't really seen. So he's kind of having to evolve and adapt. Like when he has that conversation with Ian, when uh, Damon's got upset, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah. after that conversation, he's kind of he has to pull himself back, take it on the chin, apologize, and otherwise he's you're not going to get what he wants. He can't walk over these people basically. I mean, yeah. and it is this episode is all just set up for series two, and it's interesting. But yeah, even though it feels like it ends on a note of triumph for Andy. We know as an audience. I mean, it's, it was obvious watching it before we knew what would happen in series two that, yeah, because it is a. I mean, so it's a comedy, but comedy relies on drama, mm. and it's obvious that the, the, the few tensions that there was there are gonna boil over in series two. He's so mm. Andy is so set in his ways of what he wants his show to be, and he he wants it to be a turd. Turd. And and he wants it to he 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 wants it to have integrity. And it's just so obvious that that's not going to end up what's happening in yeah. series two. So, yeah, it's, it's funny because you do see two so different sides. It's almost sides. like kind of we spoke in the office about this idea of Chekhov's gun that you know if you if you plant even the slightest seed of drama at the beginning of something, it has to pay off. Like mm. the, the, the the theatrical trope is that if you introduce a gun in Act One of a play, yeah, yeah, like that gun has to be has to go off in Act Two, and in extras, it's. If you introduce the idea that Andy, you know, is insistent that his that his TV show is going to have some integrity and he's going to do it only his way, yeah, then that's clearly not what's going. Yeah, happen. and there's loads of stuff like that in this episode where it's kind of it's almost foreshadowing. Yeah. At one point, I think Darren Lamb says to Andy, "Have you considered not being the lead role?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And actually, that's quite wise from Darren because had he listened to his advice and actually not been the lead role, he would have had some distance between himself as a. TV personality and yeah, the yeah, product yeah. that he's created whereas you know he could have taken a step back and if after it started to fall apart he could have just taken the money and run you know do it, spend it on something you do want to do uh, <laughs> but... ego 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 got the better of him didn't he exactly that's, that's what, what I'm saying is, yeah. so Barry would have yeah. smashed it by the way yeah. Barry would have been really good perfect, yeah. a perfect thing for Barry and no one would have you know it would, no one would have expected anything more from Barry, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they would have gone, oh, it's yeah, Sean Williamson in a sitcom and he's put on a funny wig. Of course he has. That but, bit where, um, you know, Darren's trying to pitch his, like, acting skills to him and he's doing, like, going through all the um, things he does. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's actually, amazing. You know, that's do you serious? Yeah. yeah. You do love me, Janine. You do. I know you do. Yeah? Do you, comical? Pat, you trodden on me, fuck! Get off! He's a singer as well. Mustang Sally! It's loud, isn't it? <laughs> and that is an acting tour de force from the real Sean Williamson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, 
it's not it's it's not easy to go through that you know that is your it reminds me of friends you know when, when joey has to go like oh i'm cold yeah. i'm frightened yeah. oh, I'm <laughs> it's very much the same thing like but it's a this is a good version of it because i because sean williamson has to kind of go through this whole kind of the whole gamut of yeah 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 he does I mean? it's deceptively difficult to to do that and he makes it look easy. So yeah, fair play to Sean Williams. Yeah, he would have been a great Mr. Stokes had he had the opportunity. And it is. Yeah. Let's stay on Sean Williamson for a bit because I know he's not a massive part of this series, of this episode. But I was watching, I was watching the uh, Extras Night in little YouTube yeah, yeah, video yeah. that they put up for, uh, for for every episode of Extras. And for this Patrick Stewart one, they kind of wrap, they, they end it by kind of having a little kind of talk about the legacy of Extras and, and Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's um, work. And they talk about how they're, they're star makers, right? Martin Freeman is where he is today. Yeah, yeah. Office. Lucy, Free, Lucy Davis, Mackenzie Davis, Crook. Mackenzie Crook. They're all where they are now today because of The Office. Uh, Felicity Jones from uh, Cemetery Junction, the girl from Cemetery yeah. Junction. She's now Oscar nominated. She was in, you know, uh, Star Wars. Uh and Maggie Jet, uh, Ashley Jensen went you off did to, that so many times. Yeah, Ashley Jensen yeah. Went, on, went off to be an ugly better, right? So they are definite star makers mm-hmm. for on the projects that they make. Sean Williamson had was was given such a showcase role. I wonder why he was never able to capitalise on that. I mean, we've talked about how yeah, he's he's now kind of like got kind of a bit of second win. He's in Panto and stuff. He's sometimes on the One Show, things like that. But he was never really able to take what was clearly. Uh, a surprising amount of talent that he displayed in it's it. It's true. It's an interesting and point. Run with it. Like I wonder if it was something to do with the character they created for him, because it's one of the only characters in extras where the line is a little bit blurred between his reality and 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 the, yeah, yeah. the fictional character they create here. Because even in this, they they push to not call him Sean Williamson. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's Barry on this, and if if you were to see him on the street, that would probably reinforce the the impulse to call him Barry. Yeah. If you saw him on the street, you know, you wouldn't think dream of calling Ricky Andy Millman or David Brent. Yeah. But if you saw some Sean Williamson, you might feel like saying Barry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They blurred the lines as part of this show and it might have almost been a bit of a poison chalice for him. Maybe I'd love to talk to him, but I mean, it could be, but it could possibly be that you know he was perfectly happy when he left EastEnders and he did this because it was offered, he did extras because it was offered to him. But he's kind of perfectly happy staying under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be that you know after extras, he just was never able to capitalise on the. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. If, you're, if you're listening, Sean. Yeah, we'd love to have you on to talk about it. Well, well, I think we might be having some guests on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You bloody get on with it, ignorant. The way that Barry is just sitting there, stuffing envelopes, uh, on a, and I don't know if you noticed, that he's not on a chair, he has he to sit on a little footstool, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And you can, you know he's he's stuffing his own envelopes with his own CV and his own headshots <laughs> yeah. because Darren can't be bothered or he's got better, more important things to do. I mean, he wants his 12.5% for doing precisely nothing. <laughs> Even if I haven't done anything for this. But, in, to his credit though, Andy Millman still does give him his 12.5%, but he could just quite easily just sack him now and just say, right, you're not my agent anymore. I'm doing this and you're getting nothing. But he's not hes not brave enough to do that. I know, but also I think, again, this is a way of showing to the audience that despite all the kind of like the cringe where the kind of immoral, self, selfish things that Andy Millman does, he has a sense of loyalty to Maggie and to the mm. agent despite the fact he doesn't have to. Mm. So and it, it, this is kind of a uh, one of the kind of like the... Uh, character points that makes make sure that we know that he's actually a good guy and let's remember he did get in the part in Aladdin 
Well, exactly. Yeah. Which is a pretty big thing to get. Him. I was going to say that's a pretty big feather in Darren's cap, to be honest. And he gets he gets him a lot of extra work despite getting fired many no, times. I, well, from well sets. this is something I've always wondered. Right? Because <laughs> I, I am signed up to numerous extras agencies, right? And who's your agent, Darren? Well, Lamb. this is the thing: you don't have an agent. They are they are the agencies. They are the ones. So it wouldn't be. I don't. Darren Lamb, I don't think has anything to do with him getting extras work. So you think he's no. an actor for Darren Lamb and an extra for himself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and this is what I was wondering. I'm wondering if Darren makes him pay two and a half percent, twelve and a half percent, twelve and a half, twelve and a half percent of his extras work, which would be considering that extras agencies take twenty five percent anyway. Mm, they take, lot, they take. That is a lot, isn't it? Twenty five percent. They take twelve. They take twelve percent sometimes. <laughs> they take ten percent. Uh, take ten percent commission. Right. Ten percent admin, and then VAT on both of those things. So. Anything, any work you get is extras work, and that's all extras agencies. So a- any money you get as extras work, you can say goodbye to twenty five percent automatically. Wow. Yeah. And then the income tax for the rest. Yeah, you don't have to worry about. It. Oh, not, really? not if you're an extra. You're not making. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you are certainly not making. <coughs> what's the limit? Eleven grand or something. And he's making that much on extras work. Poor old Barry. Imagine how he's getting on. He's not even getting any acting work, any extras work. No. Because the trouble is, I suppose once you get to a certain level of fame, extras work is almost out of the window for you. So Barry couldn't even do that. That's the no, problem. He's, exactly. a, he's he's kind of he's just hit that bracket where he's too famous to get even the room, like the basic extras work, but he's not famous enough to feed himself. So yeah, he just <laughs> bad, bad, you know, he just got, got off to being a sitcom about extras. <laughs> yeah. But the bit where uh, yeah, I think Barry perks up and says, "I'm not entirely happy." All right, Barry, calm down, mate. Giving it all this in front of another client. If you've got an issue, have a private meeting with me. If you don't, you've been hanging around with him too much. Giving it this. But even that's a little... Even hanging around with him too long. Even that's a little drip feed as to what we're going to see from Sean Williamson in the second season. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Way more than that. And I think, actually, watching it back, he's got, he has very little to do in series one. And it's this uh, little scene he gets to himself where he goes through the kind of the gamut of acting range that he's yeah. got. That I wonder if that was when Ricky and Steve going. You know what? We should do something more with him. Absolutely, I've no doubt. No, you doubt. don't really because by in series two, you've, you've there's lots of these scenes where you actually see that he has he's got his own sense of dignity. Absolutely, and yeah. his own kind of like his own self. Uh, self-awareness about his position and he kind of has an influence over the way Andy reacts to a lot yeah, of things yeah, as yeah. well like whether it's about him mm. you know it's actually um, Barry that's the catalyst for Andy learning his lesson at the end of the whole show isn't yeah. it because it's him that sort of makes that quote about the mask eating into the face and stuff so it's quite it's quite uh, it's quite the philosopher yeah in, in a way yeah he is <laughs> yeah. and also the bit about having credibility and dignity <laughs> until all your sweets fall out yeah. I'd love to see a show a spin-off show with Darren and uh, and Barry I reckon that could have been amazing. Could have been yeah. good or just Darren on his own. Darren's such a brilliant character. I love. Him. He is. He's and again, a really he's good character. Way more to do series two as well. Yeah, they I think that bit in the middle of Invention of Lime where they, where they just pop up. <laughs> That's so random, that yeah, bit. Yeah, I remember yeah. That, it's just an awful film. No, no. It's, part, it's, but they just pop up halfway through it in a completely random, unrelated segment. It's, it's kind of unrelated. So basically, it's, there's a thing... You know the, the Invention of Lying? Yeah, yeah. So halfway through, there's a scene where it cuts to Steve Merchant at a, behind a door and then Barry knocks on it and they're dressed in sort of medieval jester's outfits or something. So Sean Williamson is in The Invention of Lying? Yeah, they both are. <laughs> yeah, like 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 and the double Jennifer act. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a Ten have you not cameo. seen it? I've never seen Avengers Lying. I'm just not believe it. There's a clip. Well, it's quite funny audio. Maybe we will. Uh... I just I'm kind of blown away by that. They managed to wrangle Sean Williamson into being in uh, The Invention of Lying. Hold on, let me find it. I mean, anyway, um, structurally, guys, we're a bit higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> because we've, we've jumped straight into him getting the script, but we've forgotten about, of course, the beginning bit. Oh, which bit? The Greg uh, bit? Uh, how he, uh, the Greg bit, and also 
Give me the one of the possibly the best scene in my entire series of extras. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where oh, that, but we have to, so we had to jump scene. back to that, you know, be yeah. time traveling, you know. <laughs> well, it's just we're just having it. So hang on. So first of all, he wanders into the dressing room, right? Yeah. Bang out of order straight away. He should be. Well, off the reason for that, the we, first we need time to rewind well. slightly more because the reason for that is that he's kind of finally had enough of Greg rubbing he, it in. Like, right. He's, just, he's, he's sitting there, but enough is enough. Like Greg comes over, he's got this line with Patrick Stewart in the Tempest. And he can't even look him in the eye, can he? He sort of said, oh, it's embarrassing. He would love to have that line. Do you know what I mean? He's such a a kid about it, really. But, but then, uh, so he's got to the point where, and you know, sometimes you have it where you're like, and then sometimes you wake desperation. up. Desperation. Sometimes you wake up the next day and you think, oh, why did I do that? But then in the heat of it, you're just like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he knocks on the door. And luckily, Patrick Stewart sees the, sees the, the hustling side And he's so it. cool about it, Patrick Stewart. I was surprised by sort of, he's, he's such a down-to-earth, normal Nice guy. Do you know what I mean? No, I know, but, <laughs> but that, that just makes the transition so much better when he turns out to be like a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I love that, the way that they set that up. It's so perfect. Yeah, yeah. And the, him, him quoting Prospero from The Tempest at the beginning. Yeah. Well, perfectly sets it up. Like you just, I mean, everyone knows it, this isn't like Les Dennis where they have to do the ground, or Rest no, no, no. where they have to do the groundwork of establishing exactly who Patrick Stewart Iconic, is. respected. Yeah, everyone knows Patrick the most Possibly one of the most respected British actors in the world. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next to Patrick, yeah. um, Ian McKellen. Just exudes, yeah, like Ian McKellen, just exudes dignity and gravity. Yeah, dignity, perfect. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and then he gets into the trailer, and yeah, Patrick Stewart, you know, kind of like welcomes me and says, Ah, oh, you're hustling. It's a noble profession. <laughs> yeah, but, it's... but it's a tough one. <laughs> and then he asked, he asked Andy about his script, and then straight away, Oh, I'm writing a script of my own. And it's just the most puerile. <laughs> but again, it's proper like inspiration in the sense, in the beginning, when he first says, You know, oh, yeah, that's the, op- that's the way, creating your own opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Sage advice, yeah. and, then, and then he turns around and then reveals how he, you know, basically his plot is all around either being James Bond, England striker, seeing women's tits and panties, and, and literally that's it. So if you were to put like a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old kid yeah. in, 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 to write a play, absolutely perfect. I'm a sort of uh, James Bond figure, right? And I have to go to Iraq to rescue these hostages, and I get there and I rescue them, but they're all women and they're naked because their clothes have rotted off. But I get them into the helicopter and I'm flying the helicopter, but I can still sneak a look in the mirror and I can see everything. You know, one of them's bending over, two of them are kissing. It's a lesbian. Yeah, because they've been in the camp for so long. It can happen. And it's just, the way he, I remember <laughs> at the time when we were watching it, my brother, He's not. He's not much of a, uh, a cineast. He's not much of a television watcher. But he was saying about how you could straight away tell the difference between the Ross Kemp's of, of the acting world and the Patrick Stewart's of the mm. acting world. The classically trained theatrical uh, actors, because he he just plays it so straight and he plays it so naturalistically mm. that there is such a definite like yeah. There's there, there's a definite split between. Someone like oh Patrick yeah, of Stewart. course, he's a professional, and someone like Ross Kemp, who I mean, God bless Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp, he did a great job in his episode, but Patrick Stewart just absolutely knocks it out of the park. He wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to swap them. You no. know what I mean? I feel like if you swapped them, Patrick would, it, it just wouldn't work. Because if you play, if you play this Patrick Stewart part too silly, like the way I mean, we said before, but Ross Ross Kemp when he his his yeah yeah, it's a bit hammy, isn't it? His right? acting, yeah, was way very hammy, very unnaturalistic, but it didn't matter. It kind of worked. Whereas Patrick Stewart, if you would played that too hammy. If he, yeah, if, yeah, if, no, if I'm he, with you. If he played it too aware of the joke, 
it would have, it wouldn't work. It's so earnest, it's isn't it? And even so, uh, exactly. But when yeah. he also when he's delivering it, and you've seen again, we keep coming back to the outtakes because I feel like they're as important as the episode in some ways. When you see these uh, clips, well, how, just how they keep on corpses. Yeah, how they well yeah. they they is, is is key is not the right word because it's only Ricky really. <laughs> Patrick is is cool. He he's like yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's almost like he sees Ricky as a bit of a like a puerile sort of this well, amateur who can't stop laughing. He's a man who yeah you know when if you're on stage and you laugh that's it you're done for. Yeah like, yeah. You know, you've got you've got maybe two weeks of rehearsals to get that out mm. of your system and then. You know, you got to just nail it every day. Every and he night, does. And, twice and a day. you see Ricky falling about laughing. And actually, I think Ricky almost at one point sort of gathers himself and says, like, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to do it on your own because he wasn't getting any laughter back from Patrick Stewart in a way. Yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It was weird. They fall off onto the ground and she's scrabbling to get them back on again. But before she can get her knickers on, I'm just. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do other than leave the scene and let you talk to a teddy bear. I would love to. Is there any films like this? Is there? Is there? Is there a film that is so? I mean, I'm trying to like. Sounds like some of the films you know you might be watching late at night on Pornhub. <laughs> if we had all all the mo- if we had enough money to commission this film and get Patrick Stewart to do it, <laughs> yeah. Just imagine, imagine him like Patrick Stewart as a James Bond type who, between saving hostages in Iraq goes, and scoring goals for magically, England, magically transports himself through the power of his mind onto the pitch, <laughs> the World Cup final. But I need to see posh spice. <laughs> besides the funny side of this, there is a sort of an interesting detail which is Andy does give us a clue that he's willing to do a rewrite so obviously it's a little bit throwaway right but at one point Patrick Stewart says is there any nudity in here no well there can be how could when the whistle blows have any nudity but he's obviously he's hustling he's doing what he can to get it out there but it's kind of it's obviously a little bit of a throwaway line but it's a little bit of foreshadowing in a way it's questionable whether or not he means it but of course he's in front of the right people he is willing to kind of feed them the bullshit that's kind of what I mean exactly and so the interesting scene for that is when he's sat there with Darren next to him in front of those BBC executives (laughs) because he's properly like trying to toe the line and Darren's just sitting there being completely useless the whole thing and he's it's like he says, oh, I want to write it myself, but then he says he's got to write with Damon, and he's sort of okay with that, and it's like, you can tell he's really trying to sort of tread an impossible type. I think, type yeah, he's, he's, if we're going to jump to that scene, he, Andy, in that scene where he's kind of laying down his ground rules to the BBC, but also giving a little bit, he's just being professional. He knows... He, yeah, he, he does he, quite well in that he, He's going yeah. in there with all his, like, he, you know, he's had his whole life, especially, his, particularly his whole career, to, like, you know, last 25 years, to think about, this is what I want, this is the, the ground rules well, I've got. So he's he's kind of he's going in with with that in place that set in his head, which for all intents and purposes is what the real Ricky Gervais did when he went to yeah that's to true. pitch to the office to the BBC. This is very much that scene where he's telling me off. You know, he's telling uh, the BBC that you know I I don't want it to have a laughter track. You know, I want it to be on BBC Two. I want to write and direct and star in it. You know, I want it to be to to be mine for you know for for, for bad and good, uh, which ends up being for bad. Yeah, that is. Uh, from from the stories you hear, exactly what they did when Gervais and Merchant went to pitch the office to the BBC. What Ricky had was he had, because he was older, because he wasn't trying to be a performer or be a, a, a star, he, he could, he was sort of invincible because if the BBC said, well, we're not going to let you write it and direct it and be in it, he'd be like, all right, see ya. And they go, wait a minute, you know, let's be, you know, because he didn't care. He, he, he and was, you were like, no, no. And I was like, oh, them. oh, honestly, we'd leave a meeting. I'd be like, let me do the speaking next time. What is wrong with you? Because he'd just be like, it wasn't kind of an arrogant thing. It was just like, 
I, I'm not. I'm just here to, you know, to try and do something that I think is good. I, I, I'll shoot off. Doesn't matter. I, I'm 35. I... Which is what makes me think that when the whistle blows was supposed to be the office. Like it was supposed. It's a the whole thing is a cautionary tale of what would have happened if they had allowed. They, if they hadn't stood their ground with the office and they hadn't been insistent on exactly how they wanted it to be. But like it could have just been catchphrases and weeks. It could have been Citizen <clears throat> Khan. It could have been. Oh, what's that terrible uh, that Ben Elton one? But I mean, when the whistle blows, when you watch it and you think, could that have been as good as The Office? You think, are you having a laugh? Yeah, no, but but, I mean, for real. but, but I forgot to say, I, I don't but think. If you think about if you, if you think about when the whistle blows, being you know, imagine imagine the, the, the meetings he had, the, the writing meetings he has with Damon, right? Where Damon's yeah, like, we see. oh no, you know, make make. Make the boss the absolute main character. Don't worry about you know the oh look, look, that Tim character. Huh? Why don't we make him a bit fat yeah, and yeah, stupid but, but hang on. and call him Gobbler instead? Oh Dawn. Uh, yeah, no, we don't need a romantic. Surely you know, Tim's. Why don't we just make Dawn uh, make her a bit older and have her be the uh, we're depressed, Mister Stilks. You can see <laughs> you can see how all these characters would turn into and would morph and kind of become Frankenstein versions of themselves and turn into when the whistle blows. And all you need to do is say to oh, David Brett's brilliant. Let's just make him completely overrun the entire thing. Put a funny wig on him. Give him a catchphrase he says every single time. Let's give him an accent as well. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the office turns into when the whistle blows. But I mean, when we interviewed. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, but they don't know we've done that yet. Spoiler alert! So. Spoiler alert! Yeah, uh, he said that he thought that in the universe of the show, you're meant to think of it's more sort of a sort of depressing sort of northern sort of Alan Bennett sort of. Yeah, vibe. but that's how people saw The Office when it first yeah. came out. People was, thought yeah. it was which so I guess it, which I guess is what The Office is as well. Now that but... now that the world has got used to The Office and it's been watered down by the American version, and you kind of like you can see how the how the English version so easy turned into the American version but you <clears> kind of look at the English version and think oh maybe it was there the whole time yeah when the first series of The Office first came out it was so seen as so straight so cringe were it got the worst so reaction from a yeah, test yeah. Uh, audience because it was so naturalistic and yeah it's a bit it's 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 kind of funnier than a, than a Ken Loach or a Mike Lee you know kitchen sink drama but Mike Lee is pretty funny. <laughs> He's quite funny. But... <laughs> Nuts in May. <laughs> that was like, like Yeah. Hey, that's Mike Lee, isn't it? Nuts yeah. in May. Yeah, that's like a proto office in terms of Well it means exactly, yeah. see, so so that's where they get the, the influence from. Mm. And when the whistle blows was supposed to be, you know It's supposed to have the undercurrent of tragedy. And imagine it was and you can imagine it was supposed to be documentary style, you yeah. know, talking to the uh, to the cameras. Or did maybe you but you, you can just see how it how yeah, you can definitely into, see how it could have moved into thing, something else. Yeah, and you can see how if they'd been given the wrong script editor, mm. you know, Ashatala could have been David, well, they had... and he could have made them turn it into something they didn't want it to be. Well, because I remember when we spoke to Ewan in the end of The Office, he was saying to us that actually, even though it was their first project, they didn't have an entirely free hand. They had someone, I think Anil Gupta was the one that was on yeah. site with them because John Plowman didn't wasn't coming down to site or whatever, but that they had that person, but they obviously trusted them enough to... Well, is it the thing? Yeah, and that's why in, in extras, in this scene where Andy is kind of like, he's saying, yes, okay, fine, I'll have a script editor. I know that's what you've got to do. There's no way you could have gone to the BBC and said, no, yeah, I'm exactly. It's it give and myself. take, isn't it? Give me the money, I'll go off and make it, and then I'll give you the tapes and you can do what you want with it. I think, as we he, said... He at the, has to be a professional. As we said at the top of this, right, He the, the fundamental difference is that he... As Seth would say, if he was sat here, that he he he's a sellout at heart, right? So ultimately, yeah. he will take his position, he will make his case. But if the other side looks like they're going to walk away from the table, he'll concede. 
And so it's essentially mm-hmm. just a shortcut to that. So that's one of the reason Andy has these flaws, and that's why he's not the same as, as Ricky Gervais was, and that's why when the whistle blows is but I kind a bit, of like do Brexit, be- a bit like Mrs. Brown's boys. I kind of do believe Andy when he says that, you know, he, he's... If he was, if someone who, was going to let him do it... Because in real life, Gervais basically said to the BBC, I'm willing to walk away. If you don't let us do it how we want, then I don't care. I've, I've had my own life for, you know, 40 years. I've had a career for 20 years. You know, I don't need this. I just want this. So if you don't, if you won't let us make the office how we want to, then fine, I'll walk away. Which apparently horrified Steve Merchant sitting next to him. He was like 23. He didn't want to do this. <laughs> saying, you know, he'll write with anyone. He won't write with anyone that's a deal breaker. <laughs> was it like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it was, but the other way around. Yeah, yeah. 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 But in, I'm trying to remember the scene now. In extras... Does he say he's willing to walk away? No, it's 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 the agent that says he's willing. To Ironically, walk away. yes, that's the thing. Yeah, because yeah. he says, um, and and that's actually a really good little bit of back and forth actually between Andy and uh, and Darren. It's a little, which is where, uh, a great example of the to Darren, double act. He is trying to kind of be the, the negotiator. It's he's, that bit. He's to be it's he's so natural, isn't it? He's, he's a fish out of water in that yeah, room. Yeah, he's yeah. completely out of his depth. I don't want a, a laugh to track. No laughs. There'll be laughs. There'll be big laughs. But, but I don't want it filmed in front of a live studio audience. Unless you guys disagree with that, in which case we can change all that, just do whatever you want to do. I would like you to initially write with someone else. He will write with anyone. I won't write with anyone. He will not write with anyone, that's a deal breaker. No. We get the introduction to Ian Morris, but then we get the introduction to Damon Beasley via a loud laugh, Danny, that I hope you don't mind me saying is reminiscent of uh, of some of your belters. Not too too gay for you, (laughs) And you go, it's a tenure script. I wet myself laughing. (laughs) There's so many brilliant little lines from this this guy, uh, Damon Beasley, played by Martin Savage. It's just, oh, he's so funny. Yeah, he is a great character. He's so good. And, And I kind of look forward to series two all the more for having his introduction. I do wonder, though, like... Listen, I laughed, I found it funny, but here comes, you know, the typical Jack to kind of throw a bit of cold water on this. We've had two gay characters in extras, right? We've had Bunny and we've had Damon, who are both mincing, flouncing queens. You're aware, right? you're aware that Ian Morris is gay? Yeah. And him as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's a little twist. Yeah, but he doesn't, you know, I mean? you know, doesn't like, show it. No, there, there is sort of an undercurrent of homophobia in the yeah, show. Yeah, I wonder definitely. if I think that if extras was made now, even Gervais and Merchant would say... We can't push this this far. We, yeah, but, have but, you but, seen Gervais on Twitter though? Well, hang on a minute. I, I think, think he'd, 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 he'd be up in arms about that. Any idea of that? Yeah. I think it's warranted though. Obviously, the but the point is to expose Andy's insecurities around it. Therefore, it's 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 warranted. And I think that yes, it's a shortcut to that. You know, if he was just a normal um, gay person, for in, 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 in inverted commas, uh, <laughs> and, and not you know on a, on a normal level, then actually Andy would be. Unjustified in his in his attitude to homophobia. The whole point of this is that there's an ambiguity around whether he's and homophobic or not. I, I don't think the show sort of depicts Andy in a very favourable light for his homophobia either. No, I that's think true. I think it encourages you to see it as bad, like especially like at the end when Ian's having a go at him and he says that he's gay and he just says that thing about oh, but you don't make a song and dance with like Ooh, like yeah. and it's just like what are you saying? <laughs> Andy? Yeah, which is a which is a kind of which is a defence, sure, yeah. but there. There was only two representations of gay people in extras. I mean, yes, you got Ian, but that's kind of like that's almost a plot point, right? You got so you got Bunny and you got Damon. So you don't have any characters well, three, to kind then. of to kind of counteract that. You got so basically, if you're to take the extras on face value, you've got Gervais and Merchants' idea of 
homosexuals is Bunny and Damon. I disagree you know I mean? with that. No, of course no, you've not. Got, you've got it, and that's though. ridiculous. That's like saying that their idea of Welsh people is the dullard. It's it's just it, it's a plot point. The fact that they're gay and it's designed to expose. No, because they don't even mention the fact that. Well, he is Welsh though. He's, yeah, but you they know, don't mention I, the fact that he's Welsh. Show well, they don't mention the fact that Damon's gay. By yes, the way, they do. you've assumed it. No, that's he's, the whole point. Yeah, of the no, episode. but no, but he doesn't know. But what I'm getting at he is, he says you, he's too gay, and then he says about Bunny. Her dad's a gay. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all right, fine. But 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 my point is more that I don't know now people are going to go on Twitter and say, "Oh, I don't want to hear this guy." It's but, just, just praise I mean, Gervais what? to the heavens. Oh, I just but I don't think there's any criticism here. I don't think you're. I don't no. think it makes any sense. I think the the point is that it's 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 deliberate setup. No, no. Listen, I'm not. It's not even a criticism, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying that I think that because of that, they wouldn't do it now. I think that if and I, I think, think you'd have to be a lot more careful now. Yes, but and I think that even can't, maybe, say, anything, maybe can't say anything what, nowadays. Maybe not today from <laughs> what we've seen of him on Twitter, but I think Merchant, I imagine, would. I mean, or, or a script editor, or an Anil Gupta, whoever was the script editor or producer on this on extras, would kind of say, "Pop the brakes, also, me, guys." You can't have the thing you're forgetting as well. Is it's hilarious? That's no, kind of, and that's the point. I mean, and funny, that's kind of the funny, point. It's, yeah. it's. I think you're, it's not as though they are exposing their homophobia in Ricky and no, Steve. Listen, I think the point is more that it's funnier I, and it gives Andy more to react to. Andy, yeah. is, Andy is a homophobe. There's no doubt about that. It comes up over and over again in this series how homophobic he really is. I mean, again, he, he's, he's, he's worried in the Steve Spears episode. He spends the whole episode being worried that people think he's with, um, you know, the Dullard that he's gay. Um, and then in the bunny episode, you know, he's quite sort of homophobic then. And it's just, in this episode, you know, think about the Savloy and the battered cod. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> what he's I can't quite, that bit. He's yeah, quite, yeah. He's quite literally. That? It's not homophobic. No, no, I don't care how much our sex he has. <laughs> but why does he have to be that camp, screaming and clapping? When does that happen? When do you suddenly think, well, I prefer a nice little Savloy to a battered cod. So I better walk like this. In all honesty, like normally, I, I'm a bit like Ugh, about political correctness, but actually, I do actually feel a bit bad for Damon on this episode because he's quite horrible, really, Andy. Yeah, yeah, Damon. He's quite Damon, out of Damon, order. Damon gets it uh, right in the neck. I think it's yeah. more that not only if he was if he was the was the way he is, this kind of like over the top camp yeah. homosexual, as but also made good points about the show. But we can see him a little snippet to get his input on the show. Actually, no, that comes in series two, doesn't it? But also, he does. It's just a tenure script, and it, you know, my you know, if he likes it so much, it makes me think there's something wrong with him for a start. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like maybe he saw the the unrefined version that was actually quite good, that was yeah. you know maybe a bit flabby. Mm. But is Damon responsible for turning it into Mrs. Brown's boys, or do you think well, we see from series two that he is? <clears throat> do you think it's him thing. exclusively though? Oh no, no, no. Yes, okay. Because we see in this episode, yeah, we see in this episode that he kind of encouraged him to have catchphrases. Mm. Catchphrases are funny. Do you know what I mean? Which isn't what. Andy's uh, is imagining for the show, mm. so we can see it. D- Damon is turning it. I mean, it is basically just Damon turning it into Mrs. Brown's boy. That he's the one that's responsible for what it becomes. Mm. I mean, in a way, so this, this is a pointless debate. Annoying. So that's maybe Unless, that's yeah, maybe that is what's rubbing that's on what's Andy. Rubbing the wrong way. If he was the way he is, but he was also kind of uh, kind of uh, Logic, going, going yeah. to bat for the integrity of the script, but. then. I don't think he, Andy would be getting annoyed. And therefore, it's not an issue of homophobia. It's an issue of what he's doing, and it's just the the, ca- the, the casing yeah. of what he of what he represents that he, Andy's got an issue with. Or not? Right. He, yeah, he's 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 got an issue with what he's doing to his script potentially. Mm. But actually, he's finding it frustrating. And the easiest thing to lash out at is possibly this pink pen. Yeah, <laughs> but he is. But again, he is homophobic. He's homophobic in the literal sense of the word. He's scared by gayness, Andy. Like yeah. you can see, it, look at the way he's in the Ian, Mc, um, Ian McKellen episode in series two. Well, that is bad. Yeah, yeah, that is bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think he's you're a right. homophobic think... character. There's no, there's, I think you Andy can't is defend a... him from yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah, 
Yes. He's uncomfortable around homosexuality, which yeah. I guess, you know, a 40-year-old man in 2005... Well, a lot of people say that the reason... It's not that uncommon, The really. reason he might be uncomfortable about it, Danny, is maybe he's... Uh... Well, yeah. It not is the gay... <laughs> yes, that, that scene as well. It is the gay person. And Do you also, think Andy's gay, Danny? Is that what you're telling us? I think he's Ronnie another... Corbett. I hate to bring the word incel into it, but I think he's another sort of character, a bit like David Brent, that struggled a lot with women and is therefore very well, insecure about the whole issue yeah, of sexuality. Really. People have probably said he's gay before because he hasn't got a woman yeah. and he's probably like a bit like you know because there's that scene here at the beginning we hear the first mention of the Ronnie Corbett if you were lying why did you say that you lost your virginity to a woman that looked like Ronnie Corbett <laughs> and it's good night from me <laughs> yeah. you know, that which, is great yeah <laughs> but Actually, now you mention it, I love. I don't think. I don't think we're supposed to think that Andy is gay. But then he, when he, when he talks about how to Maggie, he says, "Women like you love the gays. You've got someone to go to the disco with, haven't you? And you walk in with him, and you go, look, I'm not sharking. I've got a bloke. But if a bloke comes up that you fancy, you go, oh him. Oh, he's just my gay friend. Perfect. It's a safety net. But everything he says could apply to him. Yeah. You can imagine when they're out, people think, oh, when people realise they're not a couple, they think, oh, that's a couple of gays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a. Inconsistency because in this episode he loses virginity at 22. It becomes 28 in the latest series. It is 28. I said it becomes 28. I said 28. No, no. It becomes 28 in series two. In this episode it's at 22. So he's he's revised. That's been revised. And actually, I think this episode is... Spoiler for the quiz that comes Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it becomes 28 when uh, when that woman's screaming at the stage at the BAFTAs in Series 2. But in Series 1, it is 22. But yeah, that's they realise that 22 is too young. Yeah, it is a bit too young to be... Anyway, anyway, anyway. I I think 22 is right, because I worked out what age he was and when he worked at the bank, and it was his first Christmas there. (laughs) Right, So, yeah, I think 22 is right. How could he worked out when he worked at the bank? You don't know. 1986 to 1999, it says in Series 2. Sorry, this is the most autistic little investigation I've done on Andy's sex life. Are you running on your assumption that Andy Moonman is the exact same age as Ricky Gervais? Well, he's Fucking 43 hell. years old. They say it in the show, don't they? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think 22 is the right, but they made so it. It becomes, 20, it, it becomes 28, and 28 was, sounds so much worse than 22. It does, yeah. If, you, if he was 43 in 2005, yeah. so how old was he in 1986? 22, 24. So... Yeah, so he would have had Yeah, 22 made, sounds yeah. more right to me. Do me a favour. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think, he, I think <laughs> he's making the age wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the point, the point, the, the centre point is, the centre point is, he's not successful with women, he's yeah. a man struggling with women, people have probably said he's gay, so that's possibly why this, where this whole homophobia thing comes from. I mean, and also just, he likes to pry into, Gervais likes to pry into kind of the, the social, oh, we said this before, he likes to pry into the social uh, awkwardness yeah. and discomfort of people especially and it's funnier when it's a straight white mm. bloke because they've got the most social hang-ups do you know what i mean yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they're kind of they consider themselves walking on eggshells about everything and yeah. he is a straight white bloke so then so so that's what he's kind of interested in kind of digging yeah. into and his, his, his counterpart is damon that's the that's, yeah. that's why it works so well i think and if was he what one thing is well he's, he's swinging his bag around he's bringing coffee back then we never get that <laughs> It's just so we can do another, you know, gay looking move with his hand, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's quite an important scene though, isn't it? Because obviously Maggie comes in to sort of share in Andy's glory and she's sort of in the BBC building, she probably can't believe her luck. And Damon goes out and Andy then drops the bombshell on her and says, you know, he's too gay. And that obviously comes back to bite Andy to big which time. Maggie then goes out and bumps into Damon. Yeah. And I think that this is I can see why they did it because they needed to get from A to B in the plot. They needed to have mm. Damon finding out and putting a bit of like you know, uh, putting a bit of danger into the, the stakes in the episode right. that Andy might lose the sitcom. But 
it kind of we know, despite how naive and kind of unaware they've set up Maggie as being in the previous episodes. It seems out of character for her to just come. Even she's not stupid enough to just come straight out into. You might want to tone it down a bit. If yeah, maybe. Game. Yeah, I didn't. But I yeah, that I, I struggle to work out her intentions here because he's just like said that really offensive comment to her about being a six out of ten. So oh, I, but no. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think she's got a vindictive moan in her body. It, I, I, it's literally just. Gervais it seems need, really no. stupid. It's just that the script needed her. Need, needed yeah. her to say it to him because they needed to get information. So obviously that's the reason for it structurally in the script, right? But as far as the motivation for her as a character, I think that Damon and his whole way and, and aura Makes is very. It's very right? disarming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and it lets you guard down. Yeah. And, and yeah, and like Andy's probably already said, Maggie probably she probably does have quite a lot of gay friends, or at oh, least yeah. kind of get some of them, you know, when they're extras or yeah, when she's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I so, think he's kind so, of yeah. So she feels and, like she can say something, and he puts her at ease afterwards because yeah. she recognizes almost immediately that she said something wrong, and and he sort of says not at all, and uh, <laughs> and she's suddenly okay with it. Oh, thank God! I thought I'd, I thought I'd fuck my friend's life up completely. No, no, yeah, you're yeah. fine. Don't worry. <laughs> but then we've got this really cool scene with Maggie when she goes into her house, and it's it's so random and throwaway, but I think it does a really good job. No, of, it's nice. I like these. Well, exactly. She goes in and she hears this phone call from her mum oh, and dad, that's horrible. and she just and it's brilliant because she's just sitting there reacting to it, and it's a really depressing phone call. Yeah. And it's such a good way of sort of um, giving us a bit of exposition to underscore how vulnerable she's feeling at this moment. Yeah. So that when Andy does come back to her flat and give her both barrels, actually, it gives us that such heightened drama yeah. in that bit. It's totally at the wrong time. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it is, yeah, it's nice. That they kind of they do just kind of take a little pause for a moment and just show us Maggie like yeah. this is her life and she doesn't her even say life. anything she's yeah, just, no, just she's... sitting there and it's, it's it's quite funny we can totally we can squeeze in a wee bed <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, give us a quick call bed as well, just give yeah. us a call let us know you're not frittering your life away <laughs> but they have been they have shown an interest in the character of Maggie in, in perhaps the whole series way more than they did for like Dawn for example oh yeah big time she's a second she's a main character I yeah, think she's, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. And, and this when it gets a bit too much focused on Andy they kind of mandate, remember to right, bring it back to Maggie as well yeah. make sure we kind of see her and see her situation and, and it, it ends with the last scene of the series and it's it's on her it's her on set on her and she leaves the thing and she bumps into Andy yeah, yeah. but it's all on her she basically gets yeah she essentially gets the last you know five ten minutes of the episode yeah yeah she's a driver much on her on, yeah she's driving the plot board yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's perfect. And, and I think it's kind of when she's having that phone call with her mum and dad, she, Maggie's kind of one of those things. She, she, she blusters through life and she's very sort of wishy-washy about everything. But actually, her mum and dad saying that is all of her internal fears sort of being vocalised. Do you know what I mean? She often doesn't think about growing old and dying alone. She's just happily bouncing from extra's job to extra's job with Andy and having a laugh. Mm. But it must have, it hit her like a ton of bricks, I think, when, when she heard that. Well, and you then Andy she... has well. Andy comes around and never go at her as well. And yeah, yeah. Up cleaning the flowers. And you say that she's, you know, wishy-washy and, you know, kind of a bit flouncy. And she is. She's a bit of a Phoebe from Friends, isn't she? Yeah. But at the end, I thought I noticed it this time. Andy says, you're the most grown-up person I know. Which kind of is an interesting... Um, what I took for that to mean is that you're the person I know who's kind of, like, aware of her station in life. Like, mm. you know, you're not kind of... Most comfortable with yourself. Yeah, and she hasn't kind of got... I mean, because Andy, you know, he's got these big dreams. He's He's been so focused on this ambition, which, you know, luckily for him, it ended up all right. But it could not have. He could have wasted his whole life being miserable, being an extra, having a script and, yeah, job, yeah. and doing nothing with it. And that, you know, he's got... He's paid off his mortgage, you know, he's, but he, he kind of seems outwardly mature, but that's not a very grown-up way to live your life. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I agree. I'm doing it. That's <laughs> me. But Maggie is kind of... She's grown up enough to kind of not have... I mean, she, she hasn't got a very stable job, you know, she's kind of renting a flat, but she 
is grown up enough to kind of be aware of that and not have these kind of big kind of like unrealistic dreams. Her dreams aren't weighing her down and making her ruin and ruining her life for her. Yeah. Unlike Andy, where he 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 he's basically put so much stock into it that if he doesn't get it, his whole life is over. Whereas if she doesn't get it, like he says, what is what's what's a bad day for you? You know, dyed the wrong tie dye t shirt or lost a cookie. Actually, when you can enjoy the small things like that, actually she's going to be happier than he'll ever be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, 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 perfect. That was the real quiz. Friends we made along the way. That's that's kind of, and then with Christmas special, that's what it comes back to. And I was saying to Danny off off mic. I mean, yeah, when we weren't recording, it happens again in series two. Like it all comes back. Extras always comes back to. There's these moments of triumph at the end of every series. Like in the next series, we have you know Andy um, kind of going and meeting Robert De Niro, and Mm. kind of yeah, even though he's. Leaving the sick kid in the room. Yeah, Yeah, even though the sitcom, I can't remember the exact exact plot, but the the sitcom's gone tits up, right? I can't remember. Yes, everyone hates it. Yeah, everyone hates it, yeah, and and kind of, but he manages to get a kind of interview, a meeting with De Niro to kind of. Darren Lamb sorts it out, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets a professional triumph, as he does in this finale, but the ending is we know that him and Maggie are going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And The Office, series one and series two, always ended on a downer. It was always like, us feeling sorry for these characters where are they going to go now you know how can they get out of this kind of how can it get any worse yeah yeah Uh, which was very deliberate because that was the start of the show because extras is a more kind of broad sitcom it ends with these moments of triumph yeah not just professionally but the last moments of every series is always Mandy Andy and Maggie going off together their their relationship yeah it's true so that's what it always comes back to Forget about the, the, the ambitions they've got. Forget about the, the showbiz element. It's always about Andy and Maggie are have got a strong relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, and actually, speaking of triumphs, Andy gets his moment with Greg in this episode. Yeah, so this yeah, is when yeah, he gets yeah, to go yeah. back and actually rub Greg's nose in it and say, "Look, you know," and he and he's such a such a, a, a sanctimonious twat. The way he <laughs> he brings that bottle in and puts and it on the into table. The other extras, which haven't, who haven't done anything wrong to him. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe a bit boring. Oh, yeah. and he sort of he doesn't really give a fuck. It's just crumb crumbs from the table. He wants to be able to say it. Yeah, yeah. You it's know, like, whenever I've had a job I really don't like, <laughs> and I've like that voice fantasized about leaving and that being like my last day. Just to do that performance. Well, everyone always does. Every, uh, everyone's, yeah. everyone's got that fantasy of right. When I hit the big, when I have some kind of success, I'm yeah. gonna, you know, if I win the lottery, you know, if I get that big job, I'm really going to rub it into, you know, yeah. the bullets. Only, only yeah, 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 exactly. There's, there's, there's that story. Oh, seven, about, seven. All, all the sevens. Yeah, all <laughs> <it doesn't work. laughs> there's a famous story. Off, of, there's a famous story of a Hollywood producer called Don Simpson, who you know he's kind of chubby and picked on at school. He went on to become one of the big kind of the 80s producers. He produced Top Gun. He produced, you know. Uh, all right, yeah, well, yeah. Days of Thunder, you know, he became like a big kind of player in Hollywood and he went back to his kind of high school reunion unannounced, kind of uh, landed in a helicopter on the, on, on the football field, <laughs> stepped out of the helicopter with a kind of a model on each arm, kind of did a loop like of the Art, room and got back in the helicopter and flew off. <laughs> like Artie Ziff. Yeah, exactly. Like Artie Ziff, that's what that's what that's a reference. To. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of Andy's very small bit of that, isn't it? Yeah, coming, coming back onto the set with a bottle of champagne, leaving yeah. down, leaving the yeah, yeah. to the extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sort of saying to, can we get Greg some more rouge? You know, you're right, there, mate. You're looking. Yeah, yeah. And Greg is proper defeated, isn't he? And he's proper like. It just in no congratulations, just like not funny. And it's great because we talked. I think in the very beginning yeah. of this podcast, we said, "Oh, Greg wins. Greg wins the series. Greg wins the whole show." But actually, yeah. there are these moments where actually Andy, Andy's done him here, and Andy ends this series the winner. This is the only defeat for Greg in but the whole does, thing. Yeah, exactly. Though. Does he push yeah. Greg to far enough? And Greg really. That's true. Right. Maybe no, maybe I've this is firing up Greg. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's back see. in series two with his bad reviews, saved on bits of scrap paper and everything. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's easy to see a parallel 
series of extras where Greg is the main character. Mm. And like we said about Andy, you know, like, oh, you know, he's got some downsides, but he's also got some good sides. Maybe we would see that of Greg, do you know what I mean? And Andy would be the villain who's kind of like, always, like rubs it in on him and that really gives Greg the push to uh, get his part in Byron. But yeah, no, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I really love, do love watching Greg put in his place because he's such a that Sean Pye has got such a and he's a merchant. Obviously, took stock at the end of the series and thought, right, give more to yeah, we need him back. More to Barry, more to the agent, more to uh, more to Greg. Yeah. Like, actually, they are three great characters. Like I actually, I read an interview specifically where they said that after series one, they realised they needed more of the agent, so yeah, really yeah. putting more in series two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, again with the door, Danny. This happened last time. Danny, can you check in at the door? Oh, fuck's oh, sake. We're trying to do a podcast here. It's just like Piccadilly Circus. Really in the middle of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not expecting one. 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 I'm not expecting um, <laughs> yeah. did, did you try? Yeah. <laughs> we did try. But yeah. Did we try? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I sent emails to every agent in the land. I was, I honestly. You had grander ambitions than me. Yeah, it's difficult. I actually, I actually sent one to uh, your agent as well, Rebecca. I, I think um, I was sort of politely uh, shown the door, but yeah, no, I was really thrilled to hear from you on Twitter. So thank you so much. I, is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's true. They were probably trying to protect you. Yeah, I, yeah, to, be yeah fair, to be fair, doing a good job. <laughs> I think, yeah, they're doing a good job of it because this is the thing. I think I, our agents seem to not be that keen on podcasts, I guess. But I don't know. Why? I mean, unless you're... It's what, where is that, isn't it? Unless it's like the Jonathan Ross uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or Conan O'Brien or something. <laughs> One of the things yeah. we love about extras is obviously the, the bloopers, the outtakes, Deleted. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously with Ricky and Steve, they tend to have a lot of um, corpsing going on. Do you remember any sort of scenes yes. when you were uh, doing extras where you had that? Um, I seem to remember Ricky having been put in a room down the end of a corridor at some point because he was so disruptive. <laughs> that seems to be a common thread of everyone we've spoken to. Yeah. 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 So yeah, what, what was absolutely. it like working with um, Gerard Kelly then? Oh, he was lovely, yeah. Um, I remember that we were given the music uh, for the sort of medley that we were going oh, to be performing, yes. and we were sent off. We were doing rehearsals at the American Church in Tottenham Court Road, which weirdly, every time I've, I've auditioned for or rehearsed with Ricky has been at that church, so I really associate working with him uh, okay. with that place. And we were in just some little room in the church, um, Gerard and myself, with, um, it would have been a... CD player back in those days, um, <laughs> just listening to the, the CD of the music and working out a little dance routine. And then we came downstairs to show everyone what we'd come up with, and it was considered too risque. <laughs> <laughs> so we That's toned cool. it down. I um, love that, that though. So basically, you, touching. So oh basically you, so you, so you and Gerard were real life Bunny and Lizzie. Like, just you didn't have a choreographer, you didn't have the, the you, yeah. know, you didn't have Ricky and Steve watching. You basically just planned it yourself, and then yeah, came down, popped your heads out from behind the curtain. And did it <laughs> yeah and if you can imagine for them it was too no it was too much so you can <laughs> oh my god yeah, i can only imagine that's where we put it but we it wasn't like we had a discussion oh this would be really funny we just we, again we took it quite seriously yeah. and we just fell into that really kind of inappropriate <laughs> touching and she is, she, is, she is his daughter <laughs> yeah I mean, yes but it's not. I don't think it's sexualized. I think you touched upon the idea that maybe he was—he's—he's he's living out his projected fantasies through her. So she's mm, this yeah. um, 
wonky vessel for his dreams. I mean, he would he would have much preferred somebody else, but he got Lizzie. And I don't think she's even that ambitious in in the arts or to, to make it. She just wants to be loved by him. She wants his approval, so she'll do yeah. Yeah, whatever no, I mean, makes I think, him happy. I think her kind of maybe her even her dream life would be to kind of to be a Maggie, like kind of be able to kind of. Uh, to, to be able to be her kind of be more fun, relaxed about to it to be her relaxed kind of like fun loving kind of like uh, yeah her fun loving self but kind of not have this kind of crushing ambition kind of weighted down yeah, her, yeah. it's such a brilliant yeah. blend of sort of um, humour and sort of and, and darkness in that episode mm. isn't it and it, how was mm. that sort of trying to navigate those two very different themes yeah, because I think I remember Ricky saying that he and either he and Steve were just he had seen a documentary um, about a uh, I think it might have been a mother and daughter who yeah. were doing all the kind of pageant rounds together and you can imagine that sort of journey home in the car when she hasn't won just being oh really God, deathly yeah. quiet um, I just felt I knew her I mean not that I've lived that <laughs> life but I just knew I knew what made her tick I, I could feel that and I that's the kind of comedy I like I like comedy that you have to watch through your fingers and yeah. it, it's, it's actually painful um, so I, I love that opportunity to play somebody who was um so tortured, but so requiring to be tits and teeth, you know. And have you ever mm. met? Have you ever met a real life Lizzie? Like, have you ever met anyone, especially of that age, not, um, not name, like a stage name, kid, but like a mid twenties? Naming no names. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was just when I just left drama school and I just had no work for years, basically, I um I did a lot of like promotional work where you kind of stand and. Earl's Court um, oh, Exhibition yeah. Centre handing out, you know, laminated bits of crap. Yeah. And there were a lot of girls there that had at one stage, you know, they'd maybe been in, there was one woman who'd been in The King and I as one of the kids. And mm. that had been her big break. And she just, if she mentioned it once, she mentioned it <laughs> 25 times. So yeah. she was living and breathing that one moment that she'd had so i guess yeah when on the sort of peripheries of the industry you meet people like that i think yeah that God, we're of... all in danger of doing it look at me i'm like hey can i talk to you about something i did 15 years ago <laughs> 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 just happened to be browsing myself <laughs> is that what happened let's be honest is that what happened yeah I was eating cold baked beans out of a can, <laughs> looking to the No, just really, actually, what happened was I was trying to find how. I'm really rubbish at social media, and my cat's gone missing. And oh, I've no. tweeted about her. Yeah. And I was looking to see if there were any mentions. Oh, and then you got us. <laughs> and then oh. I was, you thought you were going to be finding then, your cat, and then you got, like, come on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. But, no, 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 because I was the one who was like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God. It's not like you contacted me. <laughs> So obviously you were also in um, Life on the Road um, not long ago. Yeah. So obviously yeah. that's that's an interesting one because obviously you've been uh, in the extras taking direction from Ricky and Steve as a pair and then taking yes. it from Ricky solo. Um, how, yes. did, how was that? Was there sort of a noticeable difference there? It was a bit, yeah. I mean, obviously Ricky had a, a, a lot of weight on his shoulders um, on Life on the Road because he was producing, directing, he's written it, he's starring in it. It's a lot to do. Mm. Um because I think, yeah, it was quite egalitarian. I remember when they were directing extras, I think they would defer to each other and they probably brought different, you know, skills and elements to it. Um, and then there was Ricky just doing it on his own, um, on Life on the Road, yeah. Yeah. I suppose but he gets he, to kind of just make shortcuts, really, himself. He, he knows what he wants, he knows what he likes. 
and the, you know David Brent he's he's inhabited that character for so long <laughs> yeah um, but yeah Ricky's great um in terms of my laziness <laughs> he's great because you go home really early oh, really? <laughs> he doesn't labor anything if he feel i think he likes to keep it like loose and sparky and a bit naughty and if you if you go over and over something it just it, whatever was funny about it just dissipates yeah, yeah, yeah and i yeah. think if he, if he's happy and he knows what he wants like you're saying he, then you move on yeah you go over and over and shoot the shit out of it every angle and all that you know <laughs> i remember him saying something like that yeah he, he loves to keep an energy to it and it also means he gets yeah. to go home early so it's kind of perfect so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> before the it's catering can go cold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so have you um have, have you have you done the pantomime uh circuit for real did you kind of did did you have a kind of knowledge of that world? No, no. I the only panto I've ever been offered was after I did extras. Okay. It was okay. actually the only thing I was offered after extras <laughs> for oh, quite yeah. some time. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. Maybe you made such an I, impression. Yeah, no one wanted to work with you. Everyone was terrified. <laughs> but I, I guess it goes back, doesn't it, to what I was saying at the beginning of being the person in the room who's not actually finding it all that funny. <laughs> I don't know whether I would enter into the spirit. Oh. Um, I'd be like shushing the kids. Well, what, what, <laughs> I'd just get my nine out. You know? One question I had, Rebecca, was, and this might, um, be, this might be something that you never even considered. This, this, this might just be me completely nerding out. But um, there's a very slight mention of the orphans of Penny Farthing Lane. Right, yeah. in your episode, and you mentioned that uh, Lizzie mentions that her and Maggie met on it, and I was yeah. we talked about on the episode whether or not they met as adults being extras on it, or whether they met as kids in it, yeah. as as two of the um, orphans, you know, like a press gang kind of thing. Yeah, did you guys yeah. ever discuss that, or was this just was that just a line you said? No, maybe? we we never discussed it. But when I was listening to your uh, podcast. Um, the other night I did think about it and I was imagining that they were kids maybe. Yeah, that's what I and it was like, like a, a very lo-fi version a, a British version of like the Mickey Mouse Club that spawned um, spawned um, yeah, something like uh, that, yeah. Britney Spears so there, you know, from our group maybe there was somebody who went on to be like the British really successful and then there was Maggie and then there was and Lizzie, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> and you know <laughs> they try and sort of do reunions, but they're the only two that maybe come. Maybe it's just Lizzie who comes, you know. And, that, and yeah, they completely some wires in, Liz- in Lizzie's brain. She couldn't yeah. quite it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lizzie would have been much younger, so she maybe she really looked up to Maggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the older cast member. I don't know. You have to ask Ricky. I don't, I don't know if they gave a thought, but that's. I was thinking about it last night, but I've literally just pulled that out of my ass. That is not. <laughs> that was not. That was not a backstory. <laughs> no, but it's, it's it's quite interesting. There's 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 lots of these little kind of like these just throwaway lines that you know Ricky and Steve obviously just wrote to to, to fill in yeah. the gap or to make mm. a joke where you where you kind yeah. of can like think into it and it kind of creates a bit of a kind of like a wider world around this. Around yeah, the show, and I'm it? sure they know. I'm sure if you were to ask them, they'd know. But yeah, um, yeah, chance would be a fine thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should. That that would have been something I should have done as an actor, maybe. Uh, just cared about my life and asked that question. But I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, no one goes into this stuff in the dev- in the level of detail no. that we seem to at the moment. No. <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about I'm it. Sure, they'd have just forgotten <laughs> the line. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> thank you oh, so much for you. for coming on. We've absolutely yeah, oh, really thrilled to have you. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, oh, you thank too. You thank so you so much, much for coming on. Take care. All right, take Bye. care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 To prayer. To prayer.
all's lost. So as far as the, the plot's concerned, Andy has seemingly almost fucked up his, his chances of getting this thing done, right? Yeah. Because they've got their meeting where they sit down and uh, and Damon gets all upset and says, I'm not too gear for you then. Yeah. <laughs> and storms off. And it does look like it's at its worst. Um, but we as an audience knew that he was going to come back, really, because otherwise there'd be no second series, would there? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but it's the bit where uh, Ian says to him... <laughs> you know, who knows what would have happened? Well, we didn't know at that point that the second series would focus on that. We didn't know... That he really. might have just I mean, gone back in the extras a pile. Of, a lot of criticism of extra series two is that it's not about extras, it's about... Mm. But it, I think it had to move on. I don't think we could have had like another six episodes of just Andy struggling. It had to... The, the story I think had it needed to, to evolve. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Which is why I love series two, which is why I'll always go to back series two. <laughs> I think it's the ultimate expression of what Gervais and Merchant have been wanting to say for their whole Careers. But the bit, the, bit, the bit that I particularly love in this scene, though, is when he's Ian says to Andy, "Don't worry, he won't be here for long." <laughs> it's just this is this is great for um always, always for always knew you were Brent. This is yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is one oh, of the most Brentish things ever. Yeah. It's yeah, like a triple dose Brent, of Brent. I'm not homophobic. Uh, in fact, I actually said to her, "I said, um, I don't care how much arse sex he has. He's just to um, what was I? I can't remember what's it." You're aware that I'm gay. Didn't. Well, no, you didn't. And you don't make a song and dance, but you don't go, ooh, well, I'm gay. I didn't know. No. I'll uh, stop you there. Go on. Do you think you could put your hang-ups and your neuroses on hold? Yes. You won't be around for long. What, AIDS? Sorry? Is it AIDS? No, I mean, the pilot will only take a couple of months. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That is like a triple then, whammy of Brent there. But Ian's face when he says is it AIDS and it's kind of I mean if it's they kind almost, of it's the it's almost like the reactions you want to get and, yeah. and the, 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 the jokes you wanna get I mean it's not a joke, it's the reactions you wanna get from an aspiring new talent at the BBC who's edgy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But obviously it's not a joke. That's yeah. the thing. And I think they you obviously you can tell they at this point they've just invested what they've invested. They just really, really want to make this show. Yeah. They're yeah. really excited about making it. They don't particularly like Andy, he's pissed them off, but he they want to make the show. And I yeah. think you can see that in series two, episode one. But could you imagine being Andy, having had just had that conversation with Greg, and then potentially facing the prospect of having to go back and explain that nothing came of it? Could you yeah. imagine how he must be feeling? I'll so, just go back to go back to the bank. But it's understandable. But it's understandable then why he goes. Change the name. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, this then is fuel to his fire when he goes to Maggie's flat, right? Yeah. And he bang, bang, bang on the door. And this scene is possibly the most raw kind of emotional scene in the whole yeah. of extras it, it, it's so kind of I think it's very jarring in particular because we're used to seeing these two characters being quite friendly and silly with each other yeah we've never ever seen in any uh, in, in the office or in extras like Gervais kind of like uh, playing legitimate anger yeah yeah that's what I mean it, yeah, it's yeah, real yeah. and it's very kind of it, you, you empathise with both sides because you see the phone call she's just had from her parents you see the situation he's just been put in and it's yeah. the worst possible situation for them both to be in and he just unloads on her and yeah it's really hard to watch actually well, yeah you feel pretty bad for her but at the same time so do you at the same time it was a really stupid thing for well, her to do well this is the thing uh, whose side are you on in this fight Andy's Andy's. Yeah, absolutely. I'm marginally on Andy's. Because if you're on Andy's... How could you not be on Andy's? But hang on a minute, hang on a minute. If you're so adamantly on Andy's side, which is not a bad thing I'm saying, because I'm kind of on Andy's side too, but if we're so so stoically on Andy's side, are we still on his side when he apologises? Because obviously what, he's... To, he, to he, yeah, because he basically yeah. comes around and says, I was wrong. You're not, you know, this, you're not that. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said. Would, but would, if you're on his side... Would he be offering the apology if the consequence had been different? Well, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's, that's the question I want to ask. Because he wasn't wrong. How he did I it think, was probably I think, wrong. Yeah, how he did it was probably wrong. But I mean, even then, like, 
if she had legitimately fucked that up for Andy, then How could she, look she, she the would face? have deserved yeah. to. She would have deserved to 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 have that little speech because it would have been an example of her completely being oblivious, blustering through life, forgetting to like, people, Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it would an example. So he's not wrong what he says. I yeah. mean, we feel sorry for Maggie because we know how kind of sweet and and, and genuine she is, mm. but he's not wrong. He apologises because, like, you know... It's the like way he said it, maybe. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you, you, you're married, same <laughs> as me. You know, you've got to get... When, in those kinds of situations, you kind of do... Once... You're, you'll be worried about something and be so stressed out and you have a big argument and then once you've got the... Once everything's okay, you'll just apologise anyway, even yeah, if you were right, in the right... Maybe. Yeah, he has to get Patrick Stewart to do it, though, doesn't he? Oh, that's great. I'd love in that. A, <laughs> you know, in a pretty funny... but. Ludicrous twist, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's not, just a not, nice, not, not man enough to do it himself. It's a nice way of bringing Patrick Stewart back, isn't it? Because he's, is, yeah. he's almost a bit of a Samuel L. Jackson where he's only in at the beginning, it's yep. just that he had time to kind of be ridiculously funny in that. Yeah, he's the same, he is like you say, the same as Samuel L. Jackson because he, yeah, perfect, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But so, it, yeah, so I mean, it, it's a good idea to, to to bring him back, and then they got that funny little twist where he tries to get Maggie involved, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want any part in it, Maggie, but to be fair, that is a great little moment because it kind of it, he's holding her hand it's very tender it's they've, they've clearly made up and kind of it strengthens their relationship and we kind of feel that happening when we're on screen yeah but they do it in such a way that they then he encourages her to go and speak to the guy so there's no danger of it going into a kind of romantic yeah element yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. even though they have this really nice moment actually don't forget these guys are just friends yeah so i think that's a particularly nice way of ending the series yeah and then it also ends on a pullback and a reveal of the this poster of alfie on the side <laughs> yeah. of the wall, which if my memory serves me correctly Jude Law was approached to be in next. That's true, he was. I don't know if it was for in the next the, episode. Oh, so he was supposed to play the Orlando Bloom part. Correct. I thought maybe he was supposed to play the Patrick Stewart part, which still could have worked. Imagine Jude Law playing this kind of pure old thirteen-year-old boy with just one. <laughs> yeah, that'd so be quite funny. So he has to see like naked women. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought maybe that was a nod to that. But I, in fact, no, it's I a, think it's series it's, two. It's an accidental foreshadowing that they were going to try and get him in series There's two. There's a couple maybe. of bits of accidental foreshadowing involving that episode because did you notice when Maggie's taking down the posters in her room, she takes down Orlando Bloom, and then in the Orlando Bloom episode, she claims to not know who he was. Yeah, 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 and that's fancy him. Yeah, well, yeah, not yeah. like him. Yeah, so why would she have a poster up? So yeah, why along with the Ronnie Corbett virginity age loss, that's another little um, continuity error there. I think. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's it's they obviously thought this is an. Gervais and Merchant probably thought this is not a series but it's worth analysing which is ironic yeah, who, would? Who, who yeah. would what kind of idiot would 15 years later analyse it to death <laughs> is it 15 but, years fucking hell well, it's 2005 yeah, it would be, almost it? 15 yeah. years yeah, if we'd done this the next yeah, yeah. year yeah. Um, but yeah so they obviously thought it doesn't really matter it's a broad sitcom it's not yeah, yeah. I mean they they obviously kind of took loads of uh, time and attention over every single detail of the office but like with the extras yeah. they probably thought you know it's it's, it's it's good, but it's pretty throwaway. I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to be doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> so yeah, so they obviously didn't care about those little errors, and it doesn't really matter in the end. It's not. It's not yeah. one of those kinds of shows, despite the fact that we're here now, having talked about this for an hour and a half, or whatever. Oh, don't ask me any more questions. Right, it's a bit. Start again. <clears throat> it's the bit oh, of the episode uh, we all start again. It's the bit of the episode we all look forward to. 
the fight for the final time in series one. <laughs> James has already won the series, so it's only pride to play for for everyone else, really. As it has been for the last like three everyone episodes. All right, all right. Gave him a chance to rub it in. He took it. Showed me weakness. He pounced. But um, yeah, <laughs> series one, episode six. Here is the quiz. Um, it was actually a surprisingly difficult episode to mine um, for a quiz this week, despite being very very eventful. So I did struggle, and I have plumbed the depths in terms of obscurity. But um, I mean, know. yeah, it's not really an episode that goes into kind of like off on tangents, does it? It's There's like, not much trivia in like, it. It's just it's plot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, very, yeah, it's, it's, it's clinical, man. This episode yeah. is. I mean, we talked about it because this is obviously at the end of the episode. Yes, yes <laughs> but, we definitely recorded yeah. the episode first. But yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, well, yeah. It, it, it's very light on trivia this episode, yeah. so you actually might do quite. We might, I think you're both going to struggle with the quiz this week. But um, all right. Anyway, without further ado, we will get going. Um, Mr. James Emblow, may I hear your buzzer? We're all higgledy-piggledy-pew. <laughs> rather camp buzzer there from Mr. Emblow. And next, Jack. Oh, Why does it always happen? Pathetic. Oh, is it? You're aware that I'm gay. Okay, I'm going to go. Jack, your buzzer. You're aware that I'm gay. Very good. And of course, Jack doesn't make a big thing song and dance, Again, doesn't he? Doesn't go, Ooh. Yeah, two excellent guest stars <laughs> there, featuring yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. in buzzers. Yes, excellent. So, without further ado, question number one, fingers on buzzers. Um, at the beginning of the episode, Greg rather pretentiously quotes a line at um, Andy Millman. What line is it? You're aware that I'm gay. Jack. Uh, He's oh, Shakespeare expert. Yeah. Come on. Buzzing before he knows the it, Yeah, no, I thought I was getting it, and it went... James, all is lost to prayer to prayer. All is lost. Yeah. Excellent, James. Yes. I mean, do you, know you, what, don't know, you don't know what it means, do you? You don't know what it means. <laughs> you don't know what it means. Shall we dock my points? He doesn't know what it means. <laughs> question. So I start a minus. Question number two. In this particular episode, at what age does Amy Millman lose his virginity to a woman who looks You're like You're aware that I'm gay. Twenty-eight. I'll give you an, um James, you're going. I would have said twenty eight as well. Uh twenty nine? The correct answer is actually twenty two. And oh. this is a time which I must confess, listeners, we do record this quiz before the podcast because you will have already heard us discussing this in some depth during the episode. <laughs> that's a hint for us because we don't I, know what yes. it is. I tell you what, in my head I was thinking twenty two, but I thought no, because that seems too young. That's not almost mm. not comedic enough. But yeah. now in, in nowadays, in the world we live now, it probably classes as young, but in two thousand and five that was still quite old to be a virgin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but in this episode, it's 22. All right. So, question number three. What is the name of Patrick Stewart's production company? You're aware that I'm gay. Picard Productions. Pick, Picard Productions it is. Well done, Jack. Very good, very good. Uh, question number four. What mark out of ten does Andy Milman give Maggie for looks? Six. Six, yeah. yes. I, for some reason, I always remember it as seven. I think she deserves more than a six as well. I mean, he's just, he's, Especially he, when he she straightens her hair. It wouldn't be funny he if he could, said it. He could have said, in my head, I always made it seven. Seven sounds reasonable. Six just sounds so much worse than seven, don't you think? Well, it is. <laughs> it is worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why. No, but it's, it's a big, like, once you're seven and above, I think you can consider yourself good looking. But once you're six, you're like, you're average. Yes, yeah. yeah. Seven is the top, well, yeah. top 75 percentile, isn't it? Okay, question number five. This well, is a two marker. This is a two marker. This one. So fingers on buzzers because it's so obscure, but it is visible twice in the episode. Okay. What number is Maggie's flat? Oh, fucking hell, no. You can see it clearly twice in the episode. Well. You're aware that I'm gay. Twelve. Nope. James, you want to have a go? Three. It is number eight. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is making these questions too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, question number six. At the end of the episode. 
what film's poster can you clearly see in shot? You're aware that I'm gay. Alfie. Alfie, yes. yes. Which rather... again, we would have discussed earlier because I've got things to say about that. Yeah. The the rather... People would listen, but they won't. <laughs> the rather rubbish remake of Alfie starring Jude Law, which I watched on a plane a plane flight once to New York. Wasn't much fun. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, You'd have to watch it on a loop for the whole eight hours, Dan. The original wasn't amazing either, but there you go. Get on right. with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched it and I thought it was a bit, I thought it was a bit silly. Yeah. You get on with it, ignorance. Okay, right. Question number seven. Roughly how many people did Barry perform in front of with no mic? You're aware that I'm gay. 23. Where are no, they? Yes, in a thousand seat of venue. 140, oh, yes, in is. a thousand seat of venue. <laughs> I was thinking, yes. I, well, I, yeah, yes. I, I had 140. Belted it out, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Just yeah. like that. I was thinking 23 in a 140 seat of venue. Okay. <laughs> Right, so I don't know why I remember it though. <laughs> I honestly got, don't. We've only got one question to go. James has already pretty much wrapped it up. He's got three points. Jack's got one. Actually, Jack I've could still one, Jack could still Make get the last Jack one could still do one. this. It's a two point of the time. So on. Jack could still get it. Right. What two posters does Maggie take down when she's cleaning a flat? You're aware that I'm gay. Orlando Bloom. Yes. And oh, I don't know the one. Don't Bloom. You said that. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Line. Uh, I just see like a picture of like some flowers or something. A forest scene, something like that. Is there something more specific? Something more specific. Oh, okay. And it's three posters anyway. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. You can see the Audrey Hepburn, but she's taking down two. She's using one poster to take down. It is Orlando. Hepburn, isn't it? It is Hepburn. I forgot about that. It's not. June. I was going to say June. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Peanuts. Peanuts uh, and Orlando uh, Blooms. Yeah, so, so yeah, Jack, Jack, very, <clears throat> Jack very nearly um, the final back. quiz. The final score is three to James, two to Jack. So, thank you for a very Did well... You've only got one. I've got Pickard Productions. No, you got two. You've got two. You've got yeah, no, before that. Pickard Productions. Yeah, you've got... lost anyway. It doesn't matter. You've lost no, everything. No, no, no. I wouldn't have lost, though. If... Yeah, you've got Pickard Productions. I felt like I was making a little bit of a comeback at some no, point. No. Probably not. It doesn't matter. No. You've lost the series anyway. I'm not letting this one... Die. Yeah. I should have got to bed to bed all this afternoon. My because in my head I was thinking it's a prayer. Tempest. It's a prayer. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the second time of asking, you didn't get it right. <laughs> in my head I was thinking right, Tempest, Tempest. Well, as he was half. That's what I buzzed in for. Tempest. That's yeah. the wrong tiebreaker you're thinking of. I wonder if they think that's just like Shakespeare's most. Yeah, of course. That's like the opaque, the, like, pretentious play. Absolutely, the yeah. epitome, and you know, it's the perfect thing for uh, Patrick Stewart to be doing in yeah, this episode, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Okay, so that concludes quiz for series one. Very well Excellent. done, Danny. Excellent. Very well done, uh, James. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. well done, James. Thank you. Series, yeah. <laughs> How many did Seth? Did I, did, what was the final tally? Did, did Seth even do better Seth. than me despite only being here like three times? No, he, he got one. He won one. He, he won. Yeah. He does and did I win one? none? Oh, I won none, didn't I? I won a grand total of none. Yeah, Seth, Seth, won. Seth won the um, Seth won the genie episode, and James won all the others. Okay, there you go. Then. So yeah, well, there you then. go. Well, the these uh, these notes will be available online. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's in Danny's serial killer <laughs> yeah. notebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll take a screenshot. Is that blood on the corner though? <laughs> what is no, that? No, no. Most of it's just a, most of it's just accounting notes. So, you know, <laughs> okay. That's how you know. Don't be formal my job description. I'm mental. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that about wraps up the final episode of series one and series one itself. So well done, guys. Yeah. I think it's been a really good show. I've really enjoyed uh, doing it. Hopefully, people will enjoy listening. What do you reckon? 
Uh, well, yeah, I would hope so. Otherwise, what, what were we doing it for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> 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 the There's a bit of insight there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, 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 I'll tell you what, I'd enjoy it even if no one was listening. Yeah. I mean, to be honest... Well, I you, stopped... don't, you don't look to our latest listener figures. <laughs> <laughs> I did say yes. I said yes to doing the ex- extras because what I really want to talk about is Series 2. Like, just, Yeah, I'm just, really looking forward to Series 2. I get so much mm. pleasure out of Series 2, so I imagine just talking about it with you guys will be... Will be like amazing. Yeah. Series two so, better than series one. So I, laugh. so I kind of, I kind of thought, I kind of thought that series one would be not a slog, but like not so interesting to go through. But having gone through it, it's yeah, it, it's it's been fun to kind of look at post office what Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's interests were and how they developed them and how mm. they kind of bridged, how they bridged from from the kind of the ultimate in in realistic, authentic, grounded comedy in office to their version of the kind of the broader sitcom imaginable when the whistle blows. This is kind of the in-between moment, isn't it? Series one of extras yeah. was kind of that little kind of bridging the gap. So it's been interesting to look at that and then also kind of like pick up on things I hadn't noticed before. So yeah. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. I do think it's more sort of diverse than series two, um, series one. Every episode so sort of standalone. I think series two, um, it's more sort of, um, there's more sort of a, a thread running through it. This episode kind of jumps around a lot thematically. Yeah, but that's kind of what I like about Series like, 2. Yeah. And also, I think that... I mean, we'll talk about this later when we actually do Series 2, but I kind of think it is the ultimate encapsulation of the, the themes that they're interested in. So mm. what was the best thing about... If you think about it, like, what was the best thing about Series 2 of The Office, right? In my opinion, it was having David put under an amount of pressure that created a different <laughs> element of the character that we hadn't seen before, yeah. right? Same with, the same with the introduction of Neil. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Same with this. You know, he he gets into a position where he's got more to lose. He gets into a position where he's got bosses, for want of a better phrase. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's got people. He's got he's got people to please, and those people could take things away from him that he's been working his whole life for. So he's in a much more precarious position. And to, as a kicker, he's got no credibility for anything he's doing. So the, he he sort he's of got what he wants, but he's lost everything. He he's wanted, he's yeah. got what he wants, but but nobody acknowledges that it's worth having. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's he's just absolutely the bottom of. He's even lower than he is now. How do you think that makes him feel? Do you know what I mean? He's made himself vulnerable by putting his thing out there, and yeah, yeah, it's not what he wanted, and everyone hates it. Well, all the people he wanted to love it hates it. Yeah, but I still think he's an ungrateful sod in series two, and we'll, we'll go into it. But yeah, I'm going to be quite hard on Andy Milburn throughout. I mean, he's definitely two. ungrateful. He's definitely ungrateful. Yeah, and, and he, there's a way that yeah. that didn't have to be the ultimate be all and end all. But he thought it was him. Him being embarrassed by as playing Mr. Stokes and when the whistle blows, being kind of. Bastardized by the BBC didn't have the 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 be all and end all, but he thought it was. He could have parlayed that into you know, and you know some d- yeah, yeah. D- doing something incredible. But he kind of he he didn't have they didn't have the creative imagination to do it. So yeah. which makes me think like in the universe of the show. I know you say it's going to be the office, but I don't think it's as good as Ricky Gervais is in real life. I mean, that's the point the show's trying to make. Oh, well, okay, you, well, we'll, you, see. we'll, you we'll believe... see as the time well, goes we on. We won't see. No, no, no. <laughs> you're, you're, we'll Andy, find out. You're, Andy just... you're Andy Millman, basically. But That's my have... interpretation let's, of it. Let's see how it goes. This is the interesting thing. If we remember this opinion now, yeah. let's go through Series 2 and then revisit this at the end and see how if we've sort of changed yeah. our opinions and thoughts because it's a really good... It's a, If it's that divisive, it's definitely worth thinking about and talking about as we yeah. kick on. Okay. So there you go. So you're, that's that's for hosting. You're setting up a little bit of drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching. Yeah. So uh, that's it now for us from series one. So I think we're going to bring out series two uh, in the new year because um, a bit of um, background. Seth obviously lives in Spain, um, but he's moving back to the UK in December. So he's going to be back full time, and we can actually have him in a little room. Yeah, so oh, we're going to with, kind of, with us. Not too, not too gay. Not too oh, gay. Inappropriate <laughs> in the pod, on the podcast. Yeah, so we're going to take a little break until we can get Seth 
in every episode, basically. Yeah. So we yeah. can't we can't guarantee when the series will be back, but it'll be in the new year. Yeah. So thank you all for listening and supporting us in the first series of Extras podcast. And do please drop us a message or do you drop us a tweet or something like that to join the conversation. Um, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at Wern and Blog. And also, I just want to say we can always cut this out. Um, in, the, in, the, in the last couple of episodes, you kind of obviously will have noticed that we've had some guest stars that we've, who have been kind enough to give us their time uh, to appear with us and chat about the show with us. We would like to get uh, some more of those for series two. We've already got one booked in, mm-hmm. but uh, if any of these, if, if anyone's listening who uh, would you know has a, a line to these guest stars, anyone who is involved in the show or on the show, let us know. Yeah. Give us an email, set us up on Twitter. The, the only guest stars we've had have been people that we've been connected with via our listeners. Yeah. So you guys genuinely can help us with this. So if you do know anybody that's been involved in the show or you've got somebody who knows somebody who's involved with the show, drop us a, a message and sort of tag them in a tweet or something like that. Yeah, let we would, avoiding us. Yeah, because we'd bloody <laughs> love to speak to them. That's how we got in touch with... Uh... Rebecca, yep, isn't it? Absolutely. Someone just, someone just linked her in on, on Twitter and, and she. That was Mark Skelton, by the way. So big shout out. Cheers, Mark, for that. Yeah, yeah so, so. He had nothing to do with this. Can he still have his 12.5%? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>